Hiya, Georgie. Welcome to my world. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. And welcome to Road to Nowhere, the comic book, sci-fi and horror movie podcast. I'm your host Andy Connor and this week I'm joined, I think for the first time since our top five sci-fi movie episode by Mike Chapman. Hi Mike, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while but um, I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, um, for this week's episode we're going to be discussing possibly from two different points of view, A Scanner Darkly. Um, the Richard Linklater, Keanu Reeves-helmed, animated-style sci-fi movie, Philip, uh, an adaptation of a Philip K. Dick book. Um, that's the, the, the main topic of this evening. But first off, just going to have a wee discussion about what we've been watching recently. Is there anything, Mike, that you've seen that is is worth mentioning? Has piqued your interest? Is um, Jackass Forever? <laughs> right, I've heard a lot of good things about that. <laughs> I, you, you know, I it came out. I think I don't know Monday they released it on Paramount in the U.S. Paramount yeah. Plus, and I. I grew up, I'm 46, so I grew up around about that time, I guess it was in my 20s, when Jackass got super popular, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the, it's funny because I was talking to my partner and she asked me, I, I said, hey, Jackass Forever is is on, do you want to watch it? And she made fun of me and laughed at me for liking something <laughs> like that. And and I don't know if, I mean, the listeners probably don't know, but but. Andrew, you may know that um, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, like a huge yeah. nerd for pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. And she said, how can you like Jackass? Because you, you, she knows I'm like, usually when it comes to entertainment, a pretty serious analytical person. And I said, I said, wait a second. I said, what do I love more than anything else? And she goes, pro wrestling. And I go, those people hurt themselves for my entertainment <laughs> right so why would i not like jackass of course so yeah i i've not seen it in the center we don't have obviously paramount plus this side of the pond um and i've just not got around to seeing it in the cinema yet um i think there's only one show in a week now but so I assume it will come to streaming here, even if it's paid streaming. But yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've heard that it does a kind of good job of kind of what we've seen with a lot of movies, almost like the legacy style thing where it's passing it on to someone new and they do quite a good job of it, getting the new, uh, the new, I say characters, I'm about to say there, um, the new kind of stuntmen involved yeah. in it and uh, handing it off to them but yeah i was in my teens during the kind of height of jackass so high school it was all you spoke about it was yeah ideal and i'm looking forward to seeing it Aye. um the only other thing that i've really watched that isn't something that i've seen before or anything recently and uh, is fantasy more than sci-fi or horror mm -hmm. but um have you ever seen the uh, the show The Last Kingdom? I've heard of it, but no. It's um, it's one of those Viking series. So there's okay. Vikings, right. and then they did yeah. Vikings Valhalla, and then there's one called The Last Kingdom. Okay. And I'm not a huge fan of those things <clears throat> usually, but there's something about The Last Kingdom that I right. really like. And the final season just got released, uh, I don't know, about three weeks ago. And so I, f I finished up the final season. The, it, it's kind of laughable because the main character about three seasons in changes his accent. 
Which okay. is funny. And if you were to go on Reddit or something and read people's posts about it, they just go on and on about him changing his accent or whatever. But it's, yeah. yeah and so I can't explain it. It was something that I'm like, eh, whatever, I'll watch it. It's basically like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Played that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of that's kind of why I got into it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's all right. Um, I think we're going to tonight watch the movie Black Crab. Um, okay, I've not heard of that. It is a. I want to say, it might be Finnish. Right. Okay. Uh, with Numi Rapace, or I don't know how to pronounce her name, but it's yep. Bye. I think it's Numi Rapace. And uh, the director is Adam Berg, and it's basically a dystopian, like, future where there's been a war, and then there's been, like, starvation and all this. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of fitting with what's going on in Eastern Europe right now, so. Okay. So it's it's not lighthearted then at all? <laughs> no. no. I, despite me saying that I like jackass, um <laughs> I don't usually go in for lighthearted things. So fair enough, fair enough. Um, speaking of the Last Kingdom, this year we've got a uh, Robert Eggers' The Northman. Have you seen any trailers for that? I have, and I'm super excited for it. Mm. It's, uh, it's going to only be in theaters in the states, though, so I'm kind of bummed about that until yeah. it gets released. Yeah, I think people the. the the movie studios are going back to that kind of model again. It seems to be. Um, my thing is, I'm not a huge Eggers fan. I've seen The Witch and I've seen uh, The Lighthouse, and I, I think I maybe need to give The Witch a rewatch. But I really disliked The Lighthouse. Like I didn't have time for it at all. It's a difficult movie to watch. I think it is. It's quite a a kind of acquired taste. But this looks epic, and it looks violent, and it looks kind of obviously he's moving away a bit from the kind of horror elements that he's had before but i will see it but i hopefully hopefully i take it a wee bit better than these other two i really liked the witch and mm. i think i've watched it three times which i don't want i don't watch a lot of movies over after i've watched it once mm. um, you know i've got like a top 10 of movies where i watch it once a year you know godfather and stuff like that yeah of course but I think I've watched The Witch twice. Maybe I watched it a third time. And so that mm-hmm. shows, you know, that I enjoyed it. I haven't watched The Lighthouse because I was warned there's some stuff in it that I would not enjoy okay. um, bodily function wise. Yeah, there's a lot of farting in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it, that's I just, I can't watch that stuff. So, which again, points back to why would i enjoy jackass but it's not exactly the same thing so anyway but yeah yeah the, i mean it's the, the guys live off a diet of beans essentially so like they've got fucking nothing else to do but expel gas and change light bulbs um yeah it wasn't for me but they seem to have a good kind of um good critical reception maybe yeah. you would like it but i don't know each to their own. Um, myself, the past week actually, I've caught a lot of really good horror. Um, there was Fresh, which over here is on Disney Plus. Um, is it Hulu on in the yeah, states? It's on, it's on Hulu in the states. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I laughed because my partner watched that, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. So it's darkly comic. I think Sebastian Stan is excellent in it. I knew a slight amount about the the, the thing I was I heard before watching it was know about as little about this as you can. But some of the even just posters that you see popping up online give a wee hint towards it. It's called Fresh, and there's a poster of a hand inside like cellophane wrap. Um, so I had a kind of rough idea, and I really enjoyed it. It was just a good kind of hour and 40 minute sort of fun horror even the horror of it wasn't particularly gruesome there's not a lot of gore there's suggestiveness about what happens to the the victims in it um, but yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it what, what was your partner's thoughts? 
So she 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 goes in for that kind of stuff. Like she has mm-hmm. a subscription to Shutter, and she enjoys a lot Same, of Same, yeah. Even campy, what I would call campy horror, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff. Even yeah. she didn't like it. She thought it was a little too really? too over the top campiness. Mm. Okay, but she has an odd interpretation of film. She's not here. She's not home from work, so I'm, I feel comfortable saying this. She has <laughs> an odd interpretation of film sometimes, so maybe she's okay. wrong. Um, probably not something I'll be catching though. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I saw that, and there was also Master, um, which was released on Prime over here, um, which is a story of a, a black woman who becomes the first... Now, I maybe misheard this, but I think it's the first black and female master of a university. But it might just be that she's the first female. I can't... Uh, I, I maybe misinterpreting that a wee bit. Um, and in the university, there is strange going goings on possibly involving witchcraft possibly not you're not 100 sure that was really good really worth checking out that's got um regina hall in it um and she's brilliant in it and i went to see ty west's new movie uh during the week called x mm. um so ty west and the innkeepers the sacrament uh the house of the devil um it feels a bit like a layover of that kind of... Right. So he's, he's kind of along the lines of your, your Eli Ross, maybe a bit more exploitative filmmaking. Um, this is a, a movie set in 1979 in the States. I think it's kind of around the, the Bible Belt area um, where a group of adult filmmakers are making a film in a, a bunkhouse in this area and the people have rented the bunkhouse to them are an older older generation things just kind of go downhill and it's really gruesome and violent and awkward to watch because I went with my mate to watch it and there's like porn sex during it because they're trying to make a porno and it's it's just sitting with my pal just like cool right we're sitting watching fake porn but still it's a bit awkward (laughs) Um, yeah, but again, I really enjoyed it. It was such a, a nasty kind of horror movie, which kind of switch your brain off style type. It's got Mia Goth in it. It's got um, Jenna Ortega, who's kind of just made a name for herself, more so in the latest, uh, the latest Scream movie. Um, but yeah, well worth checking out. Yeah, a horror. X is well worth checking out. Um the, the biggest one, I suppose, that I've seen is the Batman. The hell are you supposed to be? I'm Vengeance. We've both seen that, and just I'm not going to get into too much detail. Hopefully, we're going to be doing a, a top ten of live action Batman movies and get, talk about it a wee bit more then. But I just put it one way: it's number one for me, above Bale, above Keaton, above obviously Kilmer and Clooney, but um, Affleck. It's just everything, <laughs> everything about it. It was a perfect Batman movie, which I don't think we've had um, until this one. But yeah, that's that's all. Can, I'll, I'll can say we about that. can we even call Affleck? I mean, can we can we make a critical determination of Ben Affleck as Batman when he never really had a Batman movie? Uh, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, um, <laughs> we should probably save that. <laughs> for, yeah, for yeah. <laughs> um, now we can we can have a wee a wee chat about that. I think um, I think Ben Affleck did a good job of balancing the two characters of Bruce and Batman quite well. I'm not as down on the the Snyder movies like the obviously the Whedon Justice League is awful. Um, I quite enjoy Batman versus Superman, and I really enjoyed Zack Snyder's Justice League. It was overblown, it was over the top, it was dramatic that maybe didn't need to be in certain ways, but I got a lot from it. Um, 
and I think Affleck gives a good performance. And obviously, we're still going to see him again in the Flash. But um, yeah, possibly can you can you can I quantify him as a Batman? Um, well, I guess we'll find out if we do a, a top ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So for this week, our main feature that we're going to be discussing is a scanner darkly. just be my imagination whatever it is that's watching it's not human gentlemen you are about to witness for approximately 61 cents the perfect homemade silencer that sure is some silencer Drive over to my place, kick back, get some tequila. <laughs> They're in my hair, on my skin. They're all over the place. This is a world getting progressively worse. Can we not agree on that? What's on the surface? Damage has taken place to the normally dominant left hemisphere, and the right hemisphere is attempting to compensate. Two hemispheres of my brain. Yes. I could be murdered. How'd I get here? I tip my hat to any entity that could bring so much integrity to evil. What if they come in through the back door or the bathroom window like that infamous Beatles song? To sacrifice someone without them ever knowing it. The scanner see into the head, into the heart. Does it see into me clearly or darkly? Just awe inspiring stuff. Um, the Richard Linklater 2006 movie um, starring Keanu Reeves, Robert Downey Jr., um, Winona Ryder, Woody Harrelson. I think that's the kind of main the main cast of the, the actors. It's Robert Downey Jr. pre-Iron Man, Keanu Reeves, post-Matrix, uh, Winona Ryder just um, in a kind of... Possibly a wee bit of a lull in her career, actually. I think this was after the whole shoplifting and everything. Oh, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. So, yeah, um, Scanner Dartley is... Um, Keanu Reeves plays a character, actor, who is an undercover agent um, infiltrating a drug gang um, to basically see where this new drug that is brain mangling called Substance D is coming from, if they can find links to where it's getting produced. Um, and he infiltrates this group of Woody Harrelson, uh, Winona Ryder and Robert Downey Jr. And it's quite a, um, with it being linked later, it's quite a, a kind of understated sci-fi movie, I think. Um, I um Overall, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of this, um, but I do enjoy it. I enjoyed it more the first time I seen it in the cinema. Um, however, Mike, overall, <laughs> what are your thoughts on a scanner darkly? Well, before I get into that, I do want to say that you kind of you kind of buried the lead. You left out maybe for me the most important. Uh, the most important character, which was Rory Cochran, um, playing Charles Freck, playing the suicide guy. Of course. Um, I say that only because Rory Cochran is like low key, one of my favorite actors. Okay. Um, he, I I remember the first time I saw him, he was in, uh, a, I want to say it was a, George Hickenlooper film and I try to remember what it's called right now 
the low life i believe yeah i okay. think so and it was in it, i was it was in the theater uh back in my cool going to see all the art house films stage <laughs> back in the day um there's something about him i really love when i see him on the screen um yeah that said yes i i will say i'm not a huge fan of this film okay the 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 thing there are a couple of things. One, I, I, I to be quite honest, I'm not a, a Linklater fan. Hmm. Same with um, myself, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I probably only really enjoyed two of his films. Um, one being uh, Before Sunrise, mm-hmm. and then Bernie. I've never seen that one. Never saw, okay, so Bernie is uh, a film that I saw on Netflix with Jack Black as the main character. I think we. I think I've hit. Now you've mentioned that. I keep going, but I've, I've, I've just had a kind of synopsis. Like a, a he's kind of like a like a grifter, uh, car salesman, politician, kind of weird, abusive relationship character. Um, I found it fascinating. I guess maybe it was because it was out of the blue. I had never even heard of it before I watched it. Maybe I enjoyed it because it was Jack Black, and I think he's an interesting actor to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I enjoyed that, and, and I enjoyed Before Sunrise because... That was my, you know, kind of going to see art house film stage. It was one of the films that it was like that and uh, Killing Zoe and, and all of those yeah. types of films back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and when and maybe this is a not a great thing to do, but when I when I think of Linklater's contemporaries, I think of guys like Hickenlooper or. Um, uh, shoot, what's his name with the three? He's got three names. What's what's the director with the three names? Uh, Paul Thomas Paul Anderson. Thomas Anderson, yeah. yeah. I think of Linklater being the most boring okay. film-wise. Yeah. Um, but that's just me, but that's just how I, I kind of feel it. Yeah. I find them, yeah, it's quite... Uh, his movies are all based around primarily just the language and the script with nothing else happening. Like Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm not a huge fan of his either. Um, I recently tried to watch uh, Licorice Pizza and it's not for me at all. Um, I actually found the lead insufferable and had to turn it off, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, But like... There seems to be more of a, a plot device to the Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Boogie Nights and things like that. Yeah, there's more of a, a kind of intriguing interest about what's going on, where the Linklater ones are primarily around, especially the Before uh, trilogy. Um, I've never seen Boy, um, but it is just about these characters talking, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, they can be a bit, I think, over long for the subject matter um, and yeah, occasionally quite a bit dull but this is why I, I quite liked Ascana Darkly I thought it progressed that a wee bit and gave a plot and gave a a kind of through line that you could follow whether it's about reliable and unreliable narrators as well how how consistent that through line is um, but yeah um so with a scanner darkly, I mentioned it earlier on. It's a the Philip K. Dick novel. Um, do you have much? Obviously, we have Blade Runner, we have Total Recall, both versions. Um, do you have an affinity with him? Have you read any of the, the Philip K. Dick books, or just from what he's had transferred to screen? Just just the films, mm-hmm. and maybe this is another reason when I think of Philip K. Dick. Uh, movies, you know, with movies that have been based off of his writings. I think of sci-fi mm-hmm. and specifically kind of dystopian 
Although Minority Report wasn't necessarily as dark and you know grimy, I guess is the right word. But you, but yeah. I, I think I think of grimy and dark and you know sci-fi. Mm-hmm. This maybe is more dystopian, but it's set in what is right now, you know, kind of a, a contemporary time frame. Yeah, and. Maybe that's another reason that I didn't feel necessarily as uh, my interest wasn't as peaked with this as with other things of, I want to, I keep saying, I want to say of his, but really films that were based off his writings. Yeah. I've read, um, I've never read Scanner Dartley. In fact, I don't even know if that's the um, the book title. Um I have read uh, The Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, talking years ago, though. And I have read, um, which is, sorry, that's obviously um, Blade Runner. And I have read, we'll remember it for you, Wholesale, which is Total Recall. Um, in terms of his movies, yeah, you're right. Everything's it's, it's the least dystopian in terms of his adaptations that have come on the screen. Um, we've got two versions of Total Recall, which... The first one is less faithful to his book because the Arnie's character in the book never makes it to Mars. The Colin Farrell version is more faithful, but is just rubbish. <laughs> it's like a generic, shiny, 12A bore fest. Um, we have the, the classic uh, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, which is fantastic, and then obviously... A kind of a further adaptation of it in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but yeah, yeah, this one's definitely a more real world style movie, um, with slight tweaks, but nothing too much. Um, it's something that, as you're saying, maybe for hardcore Philip K. Dick fans, is maybe not the most interesting. If it's not got that dystopia, it's not got that weird kind of sci-fi feel to it. <clears throat> but as I've said, for me, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time of watching it. Um, looking at movie as a whole, how do you feel for the, the animation style? Um, it was filmed kind of as a interpolated rotoscope yeah. it was using. Um, which I've, I've never heard of, and I don't think I've seen it since. That's maybe just because it's passed me by in other movies, shot digitally, then animated over sort of thing. But how do, how do you find the style of it? Well, see, that's the thing, is another th- part of why I didn't enjoy the film is that I felt that the rotoscope wasn't necessary, and maybe I would have thought it would have been more interesting without it. Okay. Um. So for me, Rotoscope goes back to the original Ralph Bakshi uh, Lord of the Ring cartoons, the animated cartoons that they did. And then Rotoscope went on to be done via computer later on, and they did stuff like that. And and as I'm not a huge fan of Linklater, like I said, I've never seen Waking Life, which also was Rotoscoped. Um, The only thing I could think of that really needed rotoscope was the the suit, the cop's suit that they mm-hmm. wear. Yeah. And for me, it might have been more interesting, and I and who knows if I actually were able to see it, maybe I I would know the answer to this, but for me, it might have been more interesting if that was the only time they used the rotoscope in the film was for okay. that. Um I'm not necessarily against live action animation in that sense. It's just, I just didn't see why it was necessary in this film. Mm -hmm. The way I looked at it is I thought it was done as a way to give a sort of enhancement of the drug use Mm -hmm. um, and give a, a, a kind of real world feel as to what these people are going through. The, the warped realities that they are feeling. Obviously, you have the the scenes with like, bugs crawling over them, um, 
with Freck, who is the first character we see, the, the opening scenes. He's trying to scrub bugs off himself that he's seeing, um, which is a, a, a kind of a reaction to sub- a substance de abuse, like overly abusing it. Um, and it was to give a sort of heightened sense of what they're experiencing, is how I viewed it. Again, I'm, I, I could be wrong. Um, I, I, I like the animation in it. I like that type of almost sort of pencil-drawn, scratchy style that's evolving as they're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have given... I think it maybe helps as well to give the, the movie a bit more light if you're filming in a sort of a junkie's den. <laughs> it's not going to be the most well-lit place. Um, and that kind of accentuates things a wee bit better. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, it was definitely interesting. I said when it came out, it was the first time I'd seen anything really completely like that, and I've not seen anything really since then. But again, that could be my own uh, my own kind of sort of ignorance towards the animation. Um, looking at Keanu Reeves' character actor, who is the undercover agent, is he FBI or is he just police? Is he, he's like a narco agent, like a yeah. just a drugs agent? But I don't think drugs they're not be... really FBI. They're yeah, I mean, kind of shady under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that uh, similar to, um, if you would maybe, uh, what's his face? I'm I'm horrible with names, but in True Detective, in the first season of True Detective. Okay, um, I, yep. Uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey's mm-hmm. character, where he goes he goes full undercover for long periods of time. I think that is the idea of Keanu Reeves' character in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Keanu Reeves is one of these strange actors. He can play roles well when he plays them, but if he has to go out of his comfort zone, he's not very good. But I think this is kind of just within it. Um, he, we do go into so just to say we do go into spoilers quite a bit in this. So his character development from the the undercover cop to full-blown drug addict and then his arc leads him to become yeah a, a full, full-blown drug addict where his brain's fried he goes into rehab and his whole arc leads to finding where substance d has come from which is produced by the rehab centers that are taking in these um these addicts and it's a again i'm assuming it's a cycle of money making essentially off of them um i really like him in this i think it kind of leans into his strengths um and it leans into his kind of strengths and his weaknesses it doesn't force him too much to overact or emote too much which is, is possibly a good thing for him He's got, I mean, for me, he's, this is oversimplification, but for me, he's got two kind of personalities on screen. He's either bemused Mm. or he's simmering with anger. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, and I don't feel like he has any, any other range than that, but he's, he's, what has become, I think, really common is that actors blur the lines between who they are in real life and who they are on screen so well that if you enjoy a person like their personality as best as you can determine on screen you kind of you 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 almost start to call them a good actor without really knowing whether they are a good yeah, actor, yeah. whether they have any range yeah. Um, and I don't know if some people grow into being that type of actor or if if they start out being that type of actor. But another guy mm-hmm. I would consider would be Robert Downey Jr. In okay. that same type of thing. I mean, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor, but I think he's so he comes off as so likable. OK, yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, he was even likable in uh, less than zero, mm-hmm. you know, as the cokehead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes we blur that or we, we 
we, I guess, maybe don't, I don't know, maybe we don't use the right term. That person isn't a great actor. You like that person on the screen. Henceforth, you like that actor. Not you, but in general. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but you're saying with him being bemused or simmering with anger, it's either Bill and Ted or John Wick. Or yes. Bill and Ted and Neil. It's that kind of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that band, and he can go from that. To, and he, he does a, a serviceable job. Um, and I, yeah, quite enjoyed his performance in this. I thought it was as kind of understated Keanu as you're going to get without it like being anything groundbreaking. Um, but yeah, the the character of Arthur just descending into kind of paranoia and kind of drug-addled nonsense it shows you his his background as a basically it looks like he hates his family and which is one of the reasons he ends up in the line of work he is he just wants out of that um but yeah decent performance for Keanu I, I wouldn't be uh, overly critical of him but what did you think of the rest of the cast Robert Downey Jr for me played Robert Downey Jr mm-hmm um, Winona Ryder was okay. She was the kind of neurotic girlfriend who has her own twist in the story, uh, which we'll come on to. And Woody Harrelson, I think, is great and everything. So I was quite happy seeing him. Yeah, I, I think Winona Ryder kind of plays the same character in everything. Mm-hmm that I've seen her in and that's fine. She, again, I, maybe there, maybe she's just a likable person to me, but she's all right. I, you know, maybe that's... Neuro- like neurotic and meek at the same mm-hmm. time sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Woody Harrelson is gen, I think genuinely a, a great actor and, um, people that maybe haven't seen, an, you know, Woody Harrelson movies, maybe they've seen some of them and they're not, there's a movie he did. I want to say it was called The Walker, okay. where he where he that. is like a um, escort for um, politicians' wives in D.C. So you know the politician, the senator, or congressman is off doing whatever they're doing. They're flying somewhere. They're doing whatever, and of course the wife is going to. Uh, dinners and presentations and all that. Well, yeah, there is apparently a thing. These male escorts that are within the community, not male escorts for sex necessarily, male escorts as in they go with them and, yeah, you know, they walk them up. So, you know, into the venue and the whole thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. it it blew my mind to see Woody Harrelson's performance in that. So if you ever get a chance to see it, um, okay. I would say see it. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think he's great. I mean, we are talking about this today because we moved on from uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, which was the link was Woody Harrelson. He's great in that as the, the Army General. Um, he's He feels actually a bit in this like he feel his character in um, Zombieland 1 and 2, Tallahassee, I think is he Tallahassee. Um, very similar kind of eccentricities and mannerisms and kind of over-the-top shouting performance, but he can take that, as you're saying. He can move from that to something like The Walker, as you've described, or True Detective, as we mentioned before. Um yeah, I think he's just a, a fantastic actor. Probably the highlight overall um, of this movie for me anyway. Um, we, we can touch on our DJ. He just plays arrogant, weird RDJ pre-Iron Man, I think, in this. But I don't think there's anything particularly standout-ish from him. Yeah, I, I just think he was playing... I think that he softened his image later in mm-hmm. his Hollywood image later in life. And, you know, of course that the Iron Man thing helped him to get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. As did, uh, he did that movie with, uh, 
Yeah. See, I always bring these up and I forget the guy's names. Who was the actor that played Electro in Spider-Man? Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. He played that. He was Robert Downey Jr. was in that film with Jamie Foxx where Jamie Foxx was like a street musician or whatever. And mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. kind of took him under his wing. Yeah. All, all in, that is to say, all in an, an attempt to kind of reclaim his image right to mm. make him more likable like a whereas public rehabilitation is, yeah and whereas this was prior to that and yeah i mean he's fine but with a lot of a lot of actors it seems like you you don't you know, unless you're going over the top, you don't have a lot of subtlety in it, and that mm-hmm. might be that might be the thing with him. Yeah, of course. Um, with the overall plot of the movie, um, the the kind of es- espionage undercover cop part, and the the uh, the effect of substance D over the characters throughout the film, how do you feel it plays as a movie and as a storyline? Well, so here's the thing. This is this is the thing that I kind of brought up about why, you know, I had done some reading about Philip K. Dick and, and I sent you that interview about it and stuff like that. You know, I think a lot of people feel like Philip K. Dick was somehow prescient in what he wrote in this novel. Mm-hmm. And he really wasn't. If you look at the timeline in which he wrote it, Mm-hmm. compared to the things that he wrote about um it, it's not like it's not like cointelpro hadn't existed by the time he wrote this novel it had been going on since the mid 50s yeah uh the five eyes you know the collaboration between countries had been going on since the 50s um even like Close circuit cameras and wiretapping. Wiretapping goes back to the 1900s. Yeah. Um, so I just don't know that it was super prescient of him to write this story, but I think that that kind of this movie kind of lives off of that like misnomer that that's what this really was. Mm-hmm. When it's it not was, like a. Sorry, when you go. No, no. I was just. It, for me, it was quite a bit of a amphetamine addict's ramblings, mm-hmm. okay. and the interpretation of that, sure. Um, but if the person, persons, you know, the director and the writers or whatever, if they're if they're if their interpretation of it isn't super interesting. I don't know that I would find it as interesting, which I I guess is why I didn't find it as yeah. interesting. So you feel it's written, as you're saying, from a, an amphetamine addict's point of view, kind of almost like a paranoid rambling, maybe, well, of their... I mean, he wrote it in, in, in 77, or it was published mm-hmm. in 77. He wrote it around. He had become an amphetamine Philip Dick, we're talking about here. Maybe yeah, want to be yeah, clear. Sorry, we yeah. don't want to say Richard Linklater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, so Philip K. Dick became a uh, an amphetamine addict around seventy seventy two. Um, so, and then he goes to Excale, which is this confrontational type recovery program in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sometime in. Set like 75 or something like that. The, bu- the book comes out in 77. So we had to have been writing under the influence of all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as if he made this world from whole cloth, so to speak. Um, and, and so I, I think that sometimes when people think of this movie, and, and this is from someone who's not necessarily as interested in it, I think people try to make that out to be, you know, that he was he was a visionary in the future, you know, dystopian future of mm-hmm. governments, you know, observing every every move we make. And the reality is that that stuff existed <clears throat> prior to that. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course, and I think the the kind of the landmark in that type of storytelling is George Orwell, really, isn't it? In terms of it's, it's almost like a, a a maybe this has been harsh, but maybe it's like a, a drug addict's interpretation of what Orwell was trying to explain years before, decades before. Uh, um, I think the again coming back to kind of Linklater's type of storytelling, it is there is the through line, but what he bases it all around is these conversations in living rooms and people watching conversations. Um, in terms of the book, it might possibly be different, but um, yeah, the, as much as I say I got enjoyment out of this movie, I did like it a lot more in two thousand and six when it came out when I was nineteen and didn't really analyse anything as much. Second time round, I enjoyed it a bit less, but I still thought uh, that was a good movie. I got I got, um, I got something out of it. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like it was written by someone who was paranoid about the the wires leading into his lamp, paranoid about someone coming to his door, or he's maybe left a roach sitting from his joint and then went to the toilet and came back and forgot that he's left that roach sitting there. So now that someone's in his house. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a slight plot point of this. Um, yeah, or the, the, the car engine uh, flames out and yeah. someone must have cut the brakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's quite a, a rambling, um, rambling story in terms of that. Coming to the end of the movie, we get two twists, really. Um, the first one being that Donna, who's played by um, Winona Ryder, is actually Arthur's boss. And I should have maybe explained this better at the start. They wear these suits that kind of morph and warp their voice, they warp their, um, their image so no one can really see what they look like. Yeah, working in this undercover agency. Um, it turns out that Donna is actually part of this agency and has been monitoring Arthur at the same time, thinking that they're, he's part of it. Um, that, for me, came a bit left field, and I don't, I don't see how that worked, that that only comes out at the end, mm-hmm. because surely she would always know. Like... It's so it's it's random. I thought quite. Did it work for you at all? No. I. You know, when 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 it happened, and and have not having have read, read the book or anything like that, I kind of felt like like it sounds like you were you were talking about. Is it almost felt like a twist for twist's sake, like a soap opera type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um. You would like to think, and this could be wrong, you, you you would like to think that you would be able to see through a mask or a suit or some kind of thing if you're having this intimate relationship mm. with this person. Mannerisms and, yeah, traits and just a feeling sort of thing. Yeah, but then again... I mean, we might be, we might think we can do that. And then how many people don't really, they're really oblivious to very, what seem are very obvious things going on. Yeah. So that could be it. I mean, it could, maybe I'm being too presumptuous in that thinking Mm -hmm. that that's not, not realistic. Maybe it is. Yeah. That one, for me, I just feel it was like, as you're saying, twist for twist's sake, just here's one twist. The one that did work for me a lot better, which was kind of turns out to be the whole basis for the movie. Winona Ryder is speaking to a superior or a... She's in a canteen speaking to either a superior or a, a colleague discussing that they'd intentionally made Bob Arthur, Keanu Reeves' uh, character, an addict so that his brain would fry so they could put him into the rehab centre because they suspected the people who were running the rehab centres to be the producers of Substance D. And it does work for them. He gets into the farm of this drug with the blue flowers. Um, that one worked quite well for me, actually, because because it had been so long since I'd watched it, I'd totally forgot about that. Uh-huh. 
So when she's sitting down and having the meal with the guy and they're saying, will it work, will he? Because they're then relying on him to have some sort of trace memory of what his mission was almost. And yeah, that, that general, that twist, I actually really like. And I think it's maybe why I have the kind of fondness for the movie because that's the last thing you realise. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed that more. I I I tend to tread carefully when it comes to conspiracies, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's another thing that I have against this movie and Linkletter overall is him basically giving platform to a whole group of people learning who Alex Jones is in in putting him in this film which is just disastrous in, in my opinion <laughs> yeah so um no go ahead for the uninitiated alex jones is a right wing is he on is it a is he's on fox isn't he in the u.s no 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 he's no. He's, he's only on he's not even on youtube anymore he he right. is on certain syndicated radio programs or or stations and he basically has platformed himself on certain websites that don't you know don't care about what they're they're airing and things like that i won't won't send you to see them them. yeah i thought i maybe get myself mixed up there was someone oh is that so alex jones has never been on fox no I mean, not as a, not as a, not as a, host. A, 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 pro, a host. Not as is a host. It, am I getting mixed up with Hannity? Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity comes from the same cloth, yeah. so to speak. But he's he's considered him. He considers himself, and many people considered him to be more of a newsman mm-hmm. than. I mean, Jones is within that lineage of. Uh, Art Bell, but uh, but with a um, twisted like. Don't get me wrong. Art Bell, at a certain point, at the, near the end of his career, became a little bit of a loose cannon weirdo conspiracy guy too. Mm-hmm. But Bill Cooper, who, if you've never heard of Bill Cooper, you might want to look it up. Just to be. Bill Cooper influenced heavily the militia uh, movement in America, which of course led to Oklahoma City bombing and stuff we see now. Alex okay. Jones is is direct lineage from Bill Cooper. He basically saw right. what Bill Cooper did and blew it up by ten. Right. Okay. Right. And the thing the, the thing is is that these guys are all grifters. That they're so. The really, they will say anything as long as you buy their vi- their quote unquote vitamins and storable food. That's really all they are. Yeah, Alex Jones is um is it Truth? Uh, oh, what's his show's name? True In- In- Infowars. And Info then he Wars. has Info yeah, Wars, but then yeah. he has some other stuff that that yeah. is line. But it's basically Infowars, and he's the one that uh, really spearheaded the Sandy Hook quote-unquote mm-hmm. truth yeah. or conspiracy and all that he's really just like a scum yeah bastard. the bad side and, so, and it just prominent? bugs me that he was in he was in this film mm-hmm. was was he prominent as that at the time or was he just a kind of jobbing actor no he was he he was pr- prominent and the thing is is he's from texas Okay. And he was very prominent in Texas. And since Linkletter is from Texas, I'm assuming that's... And, and I don't think that Linkletter meant to garner, you know, for for Jones to become more popular. Jones is basically playing himself, just a yeah. crackpot on the yeah. street with a fucking bullhorn. Megaphone. Um, but it does... It, it bugs me. Yeah, maybe irrationally that he's in it is all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of leaves a bad taste. I did when I seen him. I thought it's quite strange. I wonder if he was just a job for hire actor at the time. But yeah, if you're saying he's he was still 
he still had a name, a certain name for himself. Yeah, the Sandy Hook stuff's just disgusting. The man's, still, I think, without uh, <laughs> garnering any hate, we can say the man is a cunt. So yes. there we go. Yep. <laughs> we'll leave Alex Jones at that. Um, but yeah, the, um, the final line of the movie is basically showing that Arthur, Keanu's character, has remembered a slight part of his task. He picks up, yeah, a wee bit. He picks up the blue flower and says, a gift for my friends at Thanksgiving because he was told he'll get to meet his friends again at Thanksgiving from this farm because they don't get to leave. Um, A decent little kind of sign-off at the end. I quite enjoyed that. Again, following on from the second twist, I thought that was quite a good wee... Could we kind of footnote at the end of the movie? Uh, well, we'll say footnote because the actual footnote is the list of um, Philip K. Dick's friends who have died or had mental health problems from addiction. But um, yeah, I thought that was a, a kind of a decent end to it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I came on all strong that I didn't like this film, but I do think the ending is, is and, and like you said, the final twist, I think it is really, really quite well not subtly done, but well done. Yeah, well executed sort of thing, yeah. There yeah, you go. Definitely. Yeah. Um so overall, I think um we have slightly different opinions. I think we actually came closer to what I thought we might have had uh when we kinda of discussed it on the group chat. Um I think we maybe similar misgivings, but I'm a bit more um forgiven of it <laughs> than what you've been um so overall you wouldn't recommend it or would you i would recommend it for the experience okay you know there's an experience of i'm glad i've watched this film that i had never mm-hmm. seen before yeah. um but would i would i watch it again probably not okay that's fair enough. Um, I don't think I would watch it again either, to be honest. Um, it has been a while since I've seen it. You're talking 16 years now. Um, because I could probably, well, maybe 15 years, because I can guarantee you I probably bought the DVD and I've just forgot. I bought DVDs at every movie I went to see, which is how I had such a massive collection. Um, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a one you would watch once. I like the style and the animation of it. Um, and just for the couple of twists at the end, but if you listen to this, you know them, so maybe you don't need to bother. Um, watch Spongebob, that's a good cartoon. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I definitely would recommend it. I think it's a, a decent story. It's definitely not one of his best adaptations because the the, the two seminal sci-fi movies of the 80s, two of the seminal sci-fi movies of the 80s are adapted from his works. Um but yeah, I would definitely give it a wee, a wee check out. Um, so for our next episode, Mike, we are going to stick with Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> and this could be, I think this is going to be an interesting chat, actually. Um, we are going to be looking at Jean-Pierre Jeunet's Alien Resurrection. Oh. <laughs> Is it a good movie? No. Is there anything redeeming about it? Uh, no. <laughs> but it's got one on a radar in it. I could have went anywhere with that. I could have just picked something simple like Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. Or I could have went... Oh God, I could have done anything. <laughs> like Matrix. <laughs> I could have done that. But I thought this would be a wee bit of left field. We covered... Um, in a previous iteration of the podcast, Jean-Pierre Jeunet's City of Lost Children, which I was not a fan of. I actually prefer Alien Resurrection to that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because I wasn't a fan of that movie and Alien Resurrection was just an alien movie when I was just turning into a teenager. So I have that kind of fondness for it. But that's up next uh, for the main feed. We are hopefully in the next couple of weeks going to be recording a top 10 Batman live action movie podcast. Um, And also this month, the first episode of 
Well, at the minute, I'm calling direct to nowhere. It might change because I'm terrible at names and something else might better might come into my head, um, in which I'm going to be speaking to a guest about one of their favourite directors in their top three movies of that director. So that's going to be coming up soon as well. Um, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been far too long. We'll make sure we get you work out times better over the next few months and get you get you back on again. Yeah, I had a great time. I'm, I, I missed it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and for everyone that's listening, you can find myself at Nowhere Andy. Um, you can find the podcast at Where Is Nowhere. Um, I should have asked you, Mike, actually, what's your Twitter handles or any socials? Uh, Twitter handle is uh, NUFC for Newcastle United Football Club. So it's NUFC underscore monkey. And uh, actually, I do a pro wrestling podcast with okay. Chris Gallagher, and uh, the okay. Twitter handle is um, booking, so B-O-O-K-I-N-G underscore kayfabe, K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. Cool. If you want, I can edit out that bit about you being a Newcastle United fan. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm American. It was about soccer. That's fine. Yeah. You know. And on that note, thanks very much for listening, and we will catch you next time.